What you're about to listen to is a Pod Bros exclusive. Age of the Geek, baby. We run the world. I see you shiver with anticipation. Man, what's gotten into you? running smoothly and you i'm doing great how's everybody else doing it is another episode days nerd compendium like most of my episodes it all starts with talking about stuff and a couple of my friends and i were talking about top rated movies from last year so we went and we found a article on io9 talking about the top 10 um Movies, in their opinion, the article that is, from 2017, and the top five worst movies. So you got ten best and five worst. I'm going to go down this list of what they say was the best and worst movies. I'll let you know if I saw them. And I'll give you their little synopsis of each one. We start off with number one. Your Name. Your Name is the best film of 2017 for many reasons. This mega-popular Japanese anime is the story of two high school students who randomly start swapping bodies in their sleep. As each goes in and out of their own life, as well as the others' lives, uh, a mystery unfolds that is epic, beautiful, emotional, and tremendously exciting. It's everything we go to the movies for, and so much more than that. Frankly, we're getting choked up just thinking about it. If you've never seen it, or heard of it, you should change that immediately. Number two is War for the Planet of the Apes. Big budget movies aren't supposed to make us feel so much. They're supposed to entertain us and wow us, sending us back into the world with the pep in our step. War for the Planet of the Apes is not your typical blockbuster. It's all the effects, action, and DNA of one of those type of movies, but it's deep. It's painful. The performance, even behind all that CGI, are dramatic and soul-searching. And in the end, apes just weigh so... or weighs on you with its impactful drama and stellar filmmaking. I have actually seen this movie, and I do agree with them. Next is Get Out. When news hit that one of Cam Peel's guys was directing a horror movie, it seemed like a joke straight out of the now-defunct sketch comedy series. But except for, or expect some subversive dark humor, Jordan Peele's directorial debut was a deadly serious exploration of interpersonal and institutional racism in America. After African-American main character, Chris realizes his body and cultural 
talents are being appraised during a creepy auction at his wife's girlfriend's parents' house. He then has to live with the terrible knowledge that in living in 2017 doesn't necessarily mean that he's all that removed from the slavery uh, legacy in the past. I will say I have seen this movie. I actually purchased it on um, Voodoo, if you will. Uh, if you don't know what Voodoo is, it is a um, online digital uh, shopping area, kind of like the uh, Google Play Store and Amazon Prime and all that, but it's all, only movies and TV shows. Um, next on the list is Logan. I will preface this by saying I watched it, and as much as people always commend it, in my mind, However good it was, it was not the old man Logan I know. But their definition, or their feeling of it, is the best superhero movie usually shares a lot in common. But Logan is something different. It's introspective and more character-driven than the comic book movies that came before it, especially the X-Men films. It took a world and character we seen in eight other movies and somehow still managed to surprise us. Logan takes Wolverine to a logical but nihilistic conclusion. His past, his prime, uh, his healing factor is failing. He's failed to save those he loved. All he can do is survive. That is, until a pint-sized female clone of him named Laura arrives in his life. The captivating father-daughter relationship made us look at Wolverine in a whole new light. He reminded us how innovative and powerful superhero movies can be. Now, I will say, I have went on record and said um, Wolverine was just your tip atypical uh, X-Men movie, and I still somewhat believe that, but I will say that it was a better X-Men movie. Number five on the list is one that uh, a lot of my friends have a hard time following or thinking is a good movie. I actually thought was somewhat decent, um, and in a conversation I had with John Patrick, you could take out, like, a third to two-thirds of the movie, and it was a great movie, and still hit all the major plot points. That is, Star Wars The Last Jedi. This one is still relatively fresh in our minds, so we figured right here in the middle was a safe place to put it, in case our feelings about the film settles a bit over time. Still, there's no doubt. Last Jedi is one of the best genre films of the year. It shared the expectation of what Star Wars movies can be, and it does so in a way that is not only an improvement from The Force Awakens, but also sets a tone and higher bar for the franchise as a whole. It takes bold risks, makes crazy decisions, and has some of the most jaw-dropping visuals 
of the year. It's unlikely any Star Wars film we've ever seen before, and that's a good thing. Next on the list is a movie that I still have yet to see, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is a bit of a miracle. Diana of Thessalonica, I know I mispronounced that, but suit me, is one of the most notoriously difficult superheroes to pull off well, even in the comics. The fact that her movie gets the character so right, even as DC movies have gotten Superman and Batman so, so, so terribly wrong, is astonishing. Uh, changing her origin from entering man's world during World War II to the brink or to the bleaker of more futile World War One ended up being a genius move. Um, it helped encapsulate Wonder Woman as both a warrior and a protector, while the film's excellent action scenes made sure everyone knew she was a badass too. Not only is it the DCEU's best movie, it's one of the best superhero movies to date, period. Next on the list is a movie that I'm interested in watching. I own it, but I haven't watched it just yet. It's called Shape of the Water. Since the release of Pants Labyrinth, uh, Guillermo del Toro, has made several good movies, but none that were great. That is until Shape of Water. Combining the love of fantasy the director is known for in the infinite heart and style, The Shape of Water is a dreamlike, beautiful movie about a mute woman, Sally Hawkins, who falls in love with a mysterious amphibious man, Doug Jones, after he's captured and brought into a facility where she works as a janitor. It's incredibly smart and poetic, but also audacious and funny. The performances are marvelous, and it leaves you feeling like you're floating on air. I mean, honestly, doesn't that sound like a great movie to see? The next on the list is one I have seen, uh... Actually, me and John Bursky saw it in the theater together, and I'm not sure that I personally will put it this high up on the list. Um, the next one to talk about is Thor Ragnarok. Uh, thanks to director, uh, Takia Watiti, uh, we know Thor Ragnarok would be funny. We didn't know it would be one of the funniest movies of the year. In the third installment of the Thunder God's cinematic adventures, Hela, the goddess of death, arrives to destroy Thor's world and his hammer. The whole movie pulses like a nightclub with kaleidoscopic visuals and dazzling action. No, it doesn't have the emotional wallop of some other Marvel movies, but it has a literal wallop in the incredible, fun 
team up between Thor and Hulk. After the said Ant-Man and Doctor Strange, Thor Ragnarok was a vivid reminder that Marvel can still subvert expectations when it wants to. The next one on the list is Raw. Raw is a as gory as it is vibrant. It's a story of a young vegetarian who goes to veterinary school and develops a taste for human flesh. The student turned cannibal must then navigate her criminal appetite along with school in a mysterious family history. The film is told with a kinetic filmmaker style that makes even the simplest moments resonate along with the, the brutal ones. And as the film unfolds, things only get or only get continue to get more and more well, raw. A fascinating character develop or study wrapped in a entertaining horrific package. Raw is wonderful. Number 10 is another movie that I own but I haven't seen yet because I haven't seen the original in so long. Kind of want to see that before I watch Blade Runner 2049. Hollywood simply doesn't make science fiction movies like Blade Runner 2049 anymore. Movies that are epic in scope with major stars, huge budgets, and slow burn uh, intricate weird stories. Blade Runner 2049 somehow not only meets the expectations of a follow-up to its iconic predecessor, but it expands and builds on the mythology in surprising and satisfying ways. Henry Ford Steckard was back, but only in service of Ryan Gosling's K, a replicant cop who's drawn into a high-stakes case. Plus, story aside, there was not a more beautiful piece of filmmaking all year. Every frame of Blade Runner 2049 is a work of art. Now we get into the lackluster movies, the worst movies of all time. And one of them I just watched today. And it's actually the first one on the list. That is Transformers The Lost Knight. Trying to describe the story, motivation, or basically anything in Transformers The Last Night is an exercise in futility. The movie is jam-packed with plot, little of which makes sense or links together logically. And yes, of course, this is a movie about aliens that transform into trucks, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't uh, be so long, boring, and nonsensical. And this is supposed to be the Transformers movies that re- starts the franchise, not put a stake in its heart. More Transformers movies will come, but we doubt many will be as bad. Now, honestly, I didn't think the movie was that bad, but it was a bit confusing how 
everything goes out, you do see John Tuturo uh, return to the franchise. You have the great Sir Anthony Hopkins in it. Um, you got Josh Dumel, or not Josh Dumel, yeah, Josh Dumel returning to the franchise again. Um, it just seemed to be a great movie. In theory. Execution, not so much. Next on the list is The Mummy. Maybe before casting and announcing a massive multi-film franchise, make sure the initial entry is good, if not great. Unfortunately for the Universal's Dark Universe, The Mummy is rather or neither of those things. It's a generic action film that feels... Um, tangential to the uh, Universal movie properties it's based on, filled with links to a world, or links to a world moviegoers will most likely never see. Somehow, it totally misunderstands what makes a good monster movie, and is still just an average action movie too. A huge disappointment. Next on the list is Geostorm. If movies were judged on how many scenes they have uh, featuring people looking at computers, Geostorm would have been a massive success. Instead, it's the opposite. A flat take on global disaster storyline with a performance and drama that barely qualifies as such. The effects are disappointing. The action lackluster. How a movie that features Gerard Butler saving the world from space could be underwhelming is beyond us. Next is Flatliners. The first Flatliners is basically an okay movie. So to remake it with better visual effects, but very few other innovations, was an odd choice. The premise, a group of doctors explored death by killing then reviving each other, Still sounds great on paper. It's just that in execution, Flatliners is less about exploring death and more about making a weak sauce horror film. The last on this list is a movie that I actually kind of like. And it's because I went into it knowing that it wasn't about the first book in the series. It is a post uh, series, book, or movie. If you don't know, I'm talking about The Dark Tower. The Dark Tower had a great cast, and it certainly didn't lack ambition, since seven movies based on seven books in the Stephen King series was probably never going to happen. This single film tried to approach, or a new approach to the material, Unfortunately, it appears to have taken undercut much of what made the books so beloved and completely fails to entertain in the process. It's a failing or flailing corpse of a movie that was DOA long before it made it to the theaters. Like I said, it was a great movie as long as you knew it was after the fact of the books. If you go into it thinking, oh, this is a movie based on 
the book, uh, The Gunslinger. You're going to be sadly mistaken. But that's what IO9 thought was a 10 best and 5 worst movies of 2017. Do you have any movies that you thought were better or worse? Let me know. Hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or even email me. And if you got a decent enough list, I'll see if I can get you on the show and we'll talk about it. Alright, time for some housekeeping. As always, you can find me on Podbros Network, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. But you can also find me on Twitter at DaveTheNerd underscore TNC. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave's Nerd Compendium. All one word, no apostrophes. You can also go to DaveNC.com and find everything there. Find everything on podbros.com in the Dave the Nerd section. I have a YouTube channel. Just search Dave the Nerd. And I'll do like unboxings and I might do like a movie review or something on there just to give a little bit of content. And don't forget while you're on iTunes at Stitcher to rate the show five stars, thumbs up, whatever they take. And if you write a review, I can... Read it, and then focus the show to be more about what you want to hear. So, with all that being said, thank you ever so kindly. And, as always, and if you need a man, find a nerd. Overload. Pleasure overload. Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world.